So I want to take some time for the rapture here. I want to talk to you this morning about the rapture. This is one of the most key points, I think, that, that if you can get in your spirit and understand that um, it will help you deal with life. It will help you deal with all the things that you face. So this morning, I want to read in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 17, it says this. When I saw him, and John turns and sees Jesus, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, and then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Jesus is talking to John. John turns and sees Jesus in his glory, sees Jesus as the high priest, sees Jesus as the one who is the first and the last, the one who is the living one. And he falls as though he was dead. He, he is so overwhelmed by the sight of Jesus in all his glory that the only thing he could do is drop down like he is, is dead. And notice what the first thing Jesus says. I think it's so important when you, when you look at people's words when you, or when you hear people's words because people's words are important, you know, and that's why we try to be people of our word. We try to fulfill things that we say. And John is in this moment where he is overwhelmed by the glory of God. And what's the first thing Jesus says? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It is awesome that in this moment, Jesus is speaking peace into John's life. Jesus is speaking peace into his life. John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not, um, do not get, I don't give this to you as the world gives. And don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Peace I give you. In this moment, Jesus is speaking peace into John's life no matter how overwhelming things seem no matter how how massive your problems may be or the situation that you face there are times where you may want to feel like you want to drop down as though you were dead overwhelmed by the difficulties and the trials in which you face or overwhelmed by life and the news that you've received but peace Jesus will give you peace he will give you and it's not dependent it is not generated because of the circumstances in which you have you know it's it's not as if you win the lottery tomorrow all of your problems go if you have the perfect job or the perfect family and then things will be better if I had the perfect school if I had the perfect parents then things will be better it is not that at all peace that Jesus gives has nothing to do with your current situation or the problems that you face it has to do with the fact that he is able to come into your moment and give you peace that passes all understanding. 
on March 25th when I had a panic attack. And I, I, honestly, I don't know how many times in life I've ever had a panic attack, but this was probably one of the, the first times that I remember, and praise God, it's probably the last one I remember too, that moment when I was so overwhelmed with fear, it was so visible that my wife looked at me and says, Pete, you're scaring me. You need to go and pray. You got you to go, you know, and, go and, 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 and just get in the presence of the Lord. And, and, and I was so overwhelmed with fear that it was visibly, is visibly shaking me and, and it was causing me this panic in my life and I went down in my office and I sat down in my chair and before I could even say a word, before I could even say a word, God said to me that day, do not be afraid, Pete. Do not be afraid, Pete. That was the first thing he spoke. And I want to tell you, it was such an overwhelming experience because it was like the floodgates of heaven opened up and just peace poured into my office that day. It was so overwhelmingly good that I was so changed by the fact that God said to me, don't be afraid, Pete. And I came upstairs like two seconds later and she's like, you know, go back down. I said, no, we're good. And it was, I was visibly changed. Why? Because Jesus simply showed up and spoke. And I want to just tell you this as we get into this message this morning, that Jesus will step into your life if you listen, if you just turn and see. And I think that's pretty interesting because John is getting all this stuff, but Jesus is speaking to him and John turns and sees he's overwhelmed. Most of the problem we have in our life is we're not turning to look for Jesus. We turn and we look upon our own skill sets, our own ability. But we need to turn and look to Jesus. We need to turn and look to Jesus and he will give you peace that transcends all understanding. Peace that will transcend all understanding. As we get ready to talk this morning about the rapture, I want to do just a quick review of how we got to this moment. First of all, Jesus is giving this book of prophecy to John. He's on the island of Patmos. He's an eyewitness and giving the testimony to what he saw. This book is given to the seven churches. Now, these weren't the complete list of churches, but they were the seven churches that represented the church as a whole. Seven is the number of completeness. And so this book of prophecy is written for the church. And that's why I think it's so important to know that you can understand the book of Revelation because God wants you to understand the book of Revelation. He wrote it for us to encourage us and to show us what is to come. Jesus begins to speak to John. John turns and looks and he falls as though he was dead. And, and Jesus speaks peace into John's life. But then verse 19, he says this, Write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. What you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. Jesus is setting up the basic outline of the book of Revelation. He says, John, I want you to write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. What you have seen. First of all, chapter 1 deals with the fact that, that John is an eyewitness to this. He says in verse 2, this is John who testifies to everything he saw, that this is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. John says that I have seen this. And he's writing what he is seeing. He's writing what he is experiencing. And that's the first part of the outline that Jesus gives us, what you have seen. The second thing is what is now. Well, what is now? Jesus told him in, in, in this uh, few verses earlier, it says, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. Write it on a scroll 
and send it out. So Jesus says, write what you've seen, write what is now, and then write what will take place later. What will take place later. This brings us to chapter 4. Like I said, we're going to talk about the churches at the end of this. But the churches are dealing with chapters 2 and 3. The church is, is, is dealt with in chapters 2 and 3. But chapter 4, it brings us to this point of what is later. What will be later? What will take place later? So turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. After this I looked... And there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Jesus said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. After this, after what? John wrote what he saw. John wrote what is now. And now he is going to write what will take place later. After this. After what? You have to ask yourself. I believe that there are different ways to, to um, approach Scripture. But it comes down to the simplest way is always the best. If God tells you that his love never fails... You don't have to go and do a lot of research to know that God's love never fails. If God told you that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, and if we believe and confess him and, and, and that he, we are saved, you don't have to do much after that. You already know the simplest is always the best. But people have tried to, or I shouldn't say they tried, but people have complicated things in the book of Revelation. And they take different views and different approaches to the book of prophecy. Some people like to take a spiritual or an ana, uh, uh, a spiritual type of approach, a more of an allegorical type of approach, and they symbolize things. Well, the problem is that when you symbolize things, it sometimes becomes subjective because your symbolism, your symbolism is different than someone else. If you notice in, in the first chapter here, Jesus tells John that this is what the the, the lampstands represent. This is what it represents. Because even though there was symbolism, talking about the churches, Jesus revealed what that symbolism means. And there are symbol, symbols in the book of Revelation, but usually the book of Revelation reveals what they are. And so we can't really look at it from a, a, a spiritual or a allegorical type of approach because interpretation would be different. And there are people who like to, to say that everything has already been fulfilled. Everything has already been fulfilled except for the second coming of Christ. And I, th I don't think that is accurate either. Some like to do a mixture of the two where they say most of it's fulfilled, especially around the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Most of it's fulfilled, but some of it's for later. Well, the problem I have with that is Jesus says, I want you to write what you've seen, what is now, and what will take place later later that's why i believe that when you look at the book of revelation you should take jesus at his word that what was seen john talks about it in several times in the first chapter john says i saw i saw i saw and then what is now 
Well, what was now? What's the whole purpose of this prophecy? Is to give it to the church. To give it to the church now. To give it to the people now so that they can know what's going to happen. They can understand what is ahead of us. And then Jesus said, what will take place later? This is why I believe this is the simplest way to read the book. Uh, Three reasons. Number one, why I believe this is the simplest and the best way to look at things from chapter 4 and beyond as future. I believe this that... That uh, first of all, it's the simplest way to read it. Jesus says what you've seen, what is now, and what will take place. The second, I believe that the church has to be raptured before any of this can start. The church has to be raptured any, before any of this could start. And we're going to dive into why the rapture will take place before the tribulation. And then also why we, next week I'll talk about why we are exempt from the tribulation. But first I want to talk about why we are removed it has to be this way look at Jesus's closing word because Jesus is once again at the end of revelation speaking to the church speaking to us he says I Jesus sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches so once again Jesus is reminding us that this book is for now I'm getting send this testimony for the churches I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star once again Jesus is giving this for now and that's why everything after chapter 4 is later. And, and why do I believe this? Is because third, I believe that Jesus, I take him at his word. Jesus said that what will take place later. What will take place later. So not only do I believe chapter 4 is future, but I also believe that at this point, this is where the church is rapt, raptured. Now there are some people that like to scare a lot of people in the church. There are some people that will teach that we will will go through the tribulation and and we're going to experience the tribulation. Some people believe that we're actually going through the tribulation right now or part of it and and that, you know, he will rapture us at the second coming. And, And so because the Bible does tell us that Jesus is coming again. And this is found in in Revelation chapter 19 where Jesus comes on the white horse with the armies of heaven and and then he establishes his kingdom and, and that he is coming that's the second coming. But I don't believe that the second coming is designed for us as the church. I believe the rapture is designed for us as the church. So I want to talk about the comparison between the second coming and the rapture and why I believe the church will be raptured. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says this, verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, And the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will it be, so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Sometimes people like to say this is referring to the second coming, not to the rapture. But I believe this is referring to the rapture. So... Let's look at some of the um, some of the comparisons here, and and let's let's look at how these things are kind of the same. First of all, the Bible says that the Lord Himself will come down from heaven, and we see this today, or we see this that in this verse right here, and we also see this in Revelation 19, where the Bible says that He is going to come down on His horse. 
There also says, too, that there was this trumpet call. There was this loud voice from the archangel. Well, in chapter 19, it talks about this angel who stands in the sun with this loud voice announcing what is happening. 19, Revelation 19 tells us Jesus is coming back, riding on the white horse with the armies of heaven. But the difference, though, begins to fade after that, begins to separate, I should say, after that. Because in chapter 19 of the Revelation, in Revelation, it is simply about Jesus establishing his kingdom here to set up the millennial reign, the thousand-year reign that Jesus will have upon this earth. And this thousand-year reign, some people don't believe that this is a literal thousand years. And this is why I believe that we need to take the Bible, the book of Revelation, at face value. Because if you start to say, well, this isn't actually a thousand years, it's just, you know, just kind of a, a term. Well, then what happens is then how do you define all the other times that we hear? Does Daniel, when he talks about seven years, is it seven years? Is it seven weeks? You know, just look at the creation story. What does the Bible say? That God created the heavens and the earth in six days and on the seventh day he rested, right? But in order, to, in order for our, our minds to get around this, some people have invented this idea that, well, each day represented a, a billion years. And, and, you know, in six billion years, God created. Well, listen, I'm just going to take God at his word that it is a day. And a thousand years in Revelation represents a thousand years. Matter of fact, this was a prophecy found in Jeremiah 23. It says, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will raise up a David, a righteous branch, for a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. And in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name in which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. Jeremiah is saying there's going to come a time where I'm going to raise up a king. I'm going to raise up a king and he's going to rule. And it says that Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. I want you to think about this. When has Israel ever lived in safety on this earth? Never. There's always people trying to destroy Israel. There's always people trying to attack. Why do you think they have such a big wall? Because they are trying to protect themselves. But the Bible says that they will live in safety. And why will they live in safety? Because Jesus is going to establish his kingdom. And it's going to be the millennial reign, a thousand years. And before that happens, guess who's thrown into the abyss? the fallen angels, and Satan. So Jesus will be here ruling his kingdom without Satan, without the angels running around. And this is going to be a peaceful time. This will be a time where Israel will live in safety. But the difference also, too, not only when we start to look at the, the things that are the same, we have the angel that announces, we have Jesus coming down. But the difference also is that there are thrones that are being set up. It says that in, in Revelation 20, after Jesus comes, in Revelation 20, it says, I saw thrones in which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. Those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and not received the mark on their foreheads or their hands. And they came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So... Our first verse in Thessalonians talks about Jesus that's going to come and the dead in Christ will rise and then we'll join up with them. But here, 
Jesus comes down with the armies of heaven in Revelation 19, and then in verse 20, he sets up these thrones, and people will reign with Christ for a thousand years. And John mentions two groups of people, those given authority to judge and the souls of those who were beheaded from the tribulation. Those who were given authority to judge. Who has been given authority to judge? Look what Jesus said in Luke 22. And I confer, con you, confer on you a kingdom just as my father conferred one on me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to give you the kingdom, the authority, just like I have it, and you will sit on thrones for judging the 12 tribes of Israel. John said, I saw thrones, chapter 20 of Revelation, on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. Jesus is telling the church, listen, I'm going to give you authority to judge. And John also saw the people who came and were beheaded because of the mark of the beast. They didn't receive it. So here you have this, this picture of Jesus coming back. He's going to set up these thrones. For a thousand years he's going to reign. So let's look back at 1 Thessalonians where people sometimes say this is the second coming. 1 Thessalonians 4 again. It says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven and with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we are still alive, are left and caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so it will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We already saw that these two events are similar in the fact that Jesus is coming down from heaven. We also see that there's this angel that is announcing. But the differences are very drastic. And let's look at those differences. First of all, Paul mentions in Thessalonians that there is a trumpet. There is a trumpet call. But in chapter 19 of Revelation, there is no trumpet call. Matter of fact, the last trumpet call is in chapter 16, and it has to do with the seven seals followed by the seven trumpets followed by the seven bowls of wrath. And all of the trumpets that are in Revelation up to chapter 16 are dealing with judgment upon the earth and the people judgment these trumpets are not a trumpet of hey guess what good news because the bible says that jesus is going to come back in heaven from heaven and the trumpet will sound i'm telling you i'm looking forward to that trumpet i'm not looking forward to hearing a trumpet of judgment but yet thessalonians says with a loud command of the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of god in trumpets are going to be a good thing and then it says, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet call. Once again, Paul said, this, share this with people, encourage people by it. I mean, what a bad day you're going to have if we say, hey, guess what? Jesus is coming back for a trumpet call. And if you hear it, you're going to be judged. Praise the Lord. You know, no, the trumpet that is here in Thessalonians is designed for us to be encouraged. Now, there's a major difference too. The Bible says that when the trumpet call and the angels say it, the dead in Christ will rise first. In Revelation, there is no mention of resurrection. There is no mention of people who were dead and will rise again. 
in a few verses, Jesus is going to judge the dead and the wicked at the throne room of God. He will judge them. But at this point, and for a thousand years, there is no resurrection. But Paul says that when you hear the trumpet and the angel, that the dead in Christ will rise. And another difference is that we who are still alive will be caught up together with him. Jesus is coming back. The archangel proclaims that the trumpet blasts and the dead in Christ rise. And then we who are still alive will be caught up. Why do I believe in the rapture? Because this is the verse that gives us that word, caught up. In Greek, harpazo, it means to seize, to grab, the, the purpose of removing, to snatch, to take away. And this word in Greek, harpazo, is translated in the Vulgate Bible, which was like one of the first Greek translations into the, the language of Latin. And they used the word in Latin called raptus, which is the English, we get the English word of rapture. So that's why I believe in the rapture, because it's based on this word to be caught up. You know, some people say, well, I don't believe there's going to be a rapture because it's not mentioned in the Bible. Well, the Trinity isn't mentioned in the Bible either, and yet we believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and how many love the prodigal story, the prodigal son, and yet the prodigal is never mentioned in the Bible. It's the lost son, not the prodigal son. But because certain words that have been passed on help define or help shape our beliefs, rapture helps us shape and understand the ideal of being caught up. Trinity helps us to understand the concept of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Do you know that the word Bible isn't even in the Bible? Yet I believe in the Bible. You believe in the Bible. So words are used to help us shape and understand the very things that we believe. And here, the word rapture is based off of the Greek word to be caught up. And Paul says that after that, we who are still alive will be left and will be caught up together. We will be raptured together with Jesus. Now, here's also one of the, the most startling differences between the second coming and the rapture. It's this. The Bible says that the dead in Christ will rise first and that we who are still alive will be caught up and we will meet him where? In the air. Paul never says that Jesus is coming down to the earth. Revelations 19 says that he's coming down to the earth. But Paul says that we are going to be caught up in the air. And Paul is very specific about this because he knows that Jesus is going to come and establish his kingdom. But or he, he, the Holy Spirit knows this, and he hasn't revealed this to Paul. He'll reveal it to John. But Paul knows that what the Holy Spirit is telling him is that we are going to be caught up in the air. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians, he even talks about it. Listen, I tell you a mystery. You will not all sleep, but will be changed in the flash and the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will raise and perishable, and we will be changed. I'm telling you, when Jesus Christ comes back for the church, the dead in Christ will rise. We who are still alive will be caught up in the air. And in that moment, in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, we will be changed and transformed into the glorified body and will all be walking around looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
or whoever you think of as the perfect body because I know that that's what I'm going to, you know, I'll probably end up getting rubber muscles in heaven, you know, but it's okay as long as I look better. And the thing is that in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, we'll be caught up and we will be changed forever. This is nowhere to be found in the second coming of Christ. This is nowhere. He's going to come back on earth and he's going to establish his kingdom. But he promises something special for the church. He promises something special. So, so this morning, I know that I've I just been teaching on this. And, and we're, I'm going to talk next week about why I believe we are exempt from the tribulation. But I want you to know this, that there's something special for us. As we were talking about this morning and praying for you about favor, that God really does love his church. He loves us. And he says, listen, I'm going to bring time to a close and it's going to transform into eternity. And there's going to be some pretty bad things that are going to happen, some pretty harsh things that are going to happen. It's called the Great Tribulation. But for you, I'm going to meet you in the air, and I am going to take you. And if you notice in the book of Revelation, Jesus tells John, write this and send it to the churches. Chapters 2 and 3, what the Spirit says, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches to the churches, seven times, to the churches, to the churches. And then in chapter 4, Jesus says, come up. I'm going to show you what's going to happen later. Come up here, and I'm going to show you what's going to happen later. And I believe that we will be raptured at that moment because Jesus has something special for us. I, I, listen, I believe this, what John says in John 3, verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever believes in the Son, whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. And tribulation is all about God's wrath. The seals and the trumpets and the bowls of wrath are all about God's wrath. But we who believe in Jesus are saved from all that. So I encourage you, don't, don't think that God doesn't have a plan for you. He does. And not only does he have a plan for our eternity, he is going to rapture us. He is going to take us to heaven. And we will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. The only thing I can say is be ready. Be ready. Because when Jesus comes, I don't know about you, but I want to be the first. All right? And I know that means I'll probably be the last. But I mean, I just can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait. Because in the twinkling of an eye, we will be caught up in the air. And when that trumpet sounds... And when we hear the angel, it's going to be a glorious day. But the Bible also reminded us in, in chapter 1 that when Jesus comes back, people will mourn. People will mourn, people who reject it. So let's be ready as a church, and let's be ready and tell people about it. Tell people about Jesus. Let them know that they can have eternal life by believing in the Son. I, I'm just looking forward to that day. So I believe that we as a church will be raptured. And like I said, I will explain next week why I believe we're exempt. But let's be ready.